And with change, you have two choices. Keep up with it and stay ahead of it or let it pass you by and get ahead of you. And one thing we are certain about customers is they will migrate to the best experience. Hi, it's Bill Thorne. In May of 2017, we aired the first episode of Retail Gets Real. The podcast was an idea presented to me by my colleagues, which I immediately questioned as to whether or not podcasts were just a fad that merited our time and resources, and if it really was an effective way to tell great stories about retail. So they kidnapped my phone, downloaded some podcasts that they knew would catch my attention, and instructed me on where to find them. I had a two-hour trip in the car, and I listened to those podcasts, and as a result, Retail Gets Real was born. When it comes to our mission at NRF, we have the best and most credible platforms to tell the story about this industry, those who lead it, those who work in it, and the positive impact retail has on the customers who shop our members' stores or visit their websites every single day. Our role is to make sure you hear the remarkable stories, stories told by the voices of the very people who had the spark of an idea for a company that is now employing tens of thousands of people. The person who started stocking shelves, pushing carts, or behind the cash register, who is now the CEO of a Fortune 500 retail company. The person who thought there was a better way to sell a product, created a website, and now operates brick and mortar stores across cities in America. There is no industry more diverse in people they employ, the people they serve, or the communities where they operate. This is our 300th episode. 299 of those that have already been posted feature some of the most inspiring people you will ever have the opportunity to meet, to gain insight, inspiration, and knowledge from. Their passion is evident not just for the job that they do, but for the people they do it with, and the customers who they do it for. On behalf of my colleagues at NRF, our volunteer leadership and our members, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your continued interest in the greatest industry in the world. You know, the one that impacts everyone, everywhere, every day. So now it's my honor to present to you the 300th episode of NRF's podcast, Retail Gets Real. Welcome to Retail Gets Real, where we hear from retail's most fascinating leaders about the industry that impacts everyone, everywhere, every day. I'm Bill Thorne from the National Retail Federation, recording on-site from NRF 2023, Retail's Big Show, where we have 35,000-plus industry professionals gathered in New York City for the industry's most important event. Our guest today is John Ferner, President and CEO of Walmart US and Chairman of the NRF Board of Directors. We'll talk to John about his amazing career journey, his approach to leadership, and what Walmart will be focusing on in 2023. John Ferner, welcome to Retail's Big Show, and welcome to Retail Gets Real. Well, Bill, thanks for having me first. And second, although you can't see what's around us, you can hear a bit of the crowd and the energy, and it was so great this morning to it was. see thousands of people Packed. here. Packed house, 35,000 people from 75 countries, and we have something like 175 sessions, 350 speakers, over 1,000 exhibitors. This is just a great show. 113th yep. annual big show. It's what a, a number. It is amazing. And you think about, well, it's retail. And I've talked to people that have been to the big show you know, most of their lives. And they remember when the technology that they were talking about were racks and the hangers for the racks. 
and they say now they come to the big show and it's just robotics and it's every it's it's so fun to watch though the evolution when you go to the innovation lab and you see what these I gotta tell you I was just out in L.A. and they have those delivery robots all over the place I, I'd never seen one except at the show and they deliver food or they deliver meals it was fascinating and I told the people I was with I said look around this is the future it is and and Bill I think. For everyone listening, there are probably two points I think that are really important. First, the definition of retail. There are a lot of ways you could look at that. But it is literally buying and selling anything to anyone else. Right. Which could be healthcare, could be a physical product, could be technology, could be software. So it really affects, as you said in the opening, everybody, every day, all the time. And the second point, I've been in retail now about, th- about 30 years this year. And the only thing that has been constant the entire 30 years is change. Amen, brother. And with change, you have two choices. Keep up with it and stay ahead of it or let it pass you by and get ahead of you. And one thing we are certain about customers is they will migrate to the best experience. So loyalty is really what I've said a couple of times here today is the absence of something better. And as long as the world changes, then you have to keep changing to stay with it, ahead of it or the world will pass you by, because it won't wait for us. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, did, I said that exact thing to the students the other day when I had the opportunity to... We had over 1,200 students, over 300 educators, universities from across the country. And I think that the one thing I wanted to impart was, if you don't like change, this is not your career. You've got to be passionate for what you're doing, and you've got to be willing to accept and lead with change. Because if you resist it, if you get frustrated by it, if you bring others into contention with it, then you're not in the right industry because retail is constantly changing every single day. Yeah, it is. And the trends that we talk about change so quickly. You know, when I was in school, in college, we would talk about trends, things that lasted for a year or two or three cycles, three seasons. And we see trends all the time now that are 10 days or 14 days. And the ability to react with authority is important. Yeah. And you constantly have to be looking. And and it's okay to be skeptical of new things in the world or new processes, technology. But I would encourage people to also, when you're skeptical, try to think about what's the contrarian point of view to the skepticism. Right. And then, basically what we're saying is, make your own decision. Right. If you're looking for a reason to believe that something, the headline is true, you'll find it. Yep. But let's go back and make sure that the things that are new and different and emerging can't be some part of a better experience for customers. And that's yeah. what this show is all about. It's got, as we said, a thousand innovations, thousand presenters who have something that could probably help you run a better retail business. Yep, for sure. You know, when we were going through the pandemic, we did a lot of our episodes with uh, retail leaders. And what we were talking about was how we were meeting the consumer during this unprecedented time the innovations and the technologies that were being employed on the spot. Usually the process is you have the idea, you run it through the meetings, then you try it, you test it, you test it some more, you tinker with it, and then you deploy slowly. Maybe you put it out in one store, 10 stores, maybe in the Northeast. And it's just this process. During the pandemic, it was, I have an idea for how we can get the goods to the customer in a better, safer way. And it was immediate. They didn't wait. Right. They just implemented it. So my question to you would be, is that the future? Is that going to sustain or are we going to go back to the more, 
you know, let's take some time and really think this through. But I do think it's a choice, and different organizations will make, of course, different decisions. But I think what we will look back and say is that the years 2020 to 2022 were a point of inflection for innovators. Right. And a lot of innovative companies and organizations knew before 2020 that you would never let a crisis go to waste. It's a way of saying when something happens in the environment, an external stimuli that causes you to have to do something differently, you do have a couple choices. You can go ahead and make the change, get on with it, move quickly, or you can let traditional process take over. And what I try to think about as a business leader is be willing to disrupt the thing that you already do well and in some or many cases, be willing to disrupt the thing that actually caused your organization to be successful and profitable. That's right. a hard decision to make. Totally. It's the dilemma, of course. But right. if you don't do it, someone will do it for you. Right. So be willing to experiment with all sorts of innovation when the market calls for it is one thing. Be willing to do it when times are good is another. So right. one of the ways to say it is the best time to fix the roof on the house is when the sun is shining. Right. right. Don't wait until the rain and the storm starts. It's really tough to be up there at that time. Great way to put it. Okay, John, I've got us totally off of script, so I'm going to get back to where I wanted to start, which is your career journey. You've already said it, 30 years in the business. How did you get started? Well, I started really at a store part-time for a summer job. I started in April, and I thought I'll just do this for a few months and then back to semester, and I stayed. And, and two things happened over that next year that probably shaped my desire to stay here for in the industry and at the company as long as I have. And one was, I really love working with people. And what I, what I saw happening in, in that environment, in that store, was a place where you are better because of the people around you and you have the opportunity to make those around you better. Right. So the best leaders are the ones that can be somewhere in their team, their peers, their super... Everyone's better because you're there. Then you have to work at that. It's not just a given, but that was one. And then the second, I had an experience where I was an intern and got to do it outside of the United States. So oh. I went into to northern Mexico, Monterey, Mexico, for about four months in the summer. And I just realized what kind of experience that was in, in terms of going and working as a minority, going and working as the person who didn't speak the language. It was just a really enriching experience for, sure. for me personally. And then I, I caught the retail bug. Like I could potentially do this for a long time and get to see the world and do a lot of interesting, exciting, hard things that may not exist in other places. Right. So that was it. And if there was a third, is say yes to the things that sound hard. Yeah. And, and I, there are a few jobs along the way, Bill, that people told me don't do. That's a really risky role. And yep. when I heard that, I got a lot closer to yes right away. Yep. I wanted to do things that sounded hard and made a difference. It could help teams. And all those added up have just been you know, a wonderful experience for me, my family, and a lot of opportunities that I think are unique to our industry and specifically to the company I'm at, yep. Walmart. You know, we, we talk a lot to the students. And, and again, it's just something that I always kind of harp on, which is be willing to take a risk. And if you think about it and you measure it and you look at it, at its face, and you're still excited about it, do it. Do it. Follow your gut, follow what you believe, and it's not always gonna work out the way that you thought it would, but you're going to be better off for it. You will have learnings that you would never have had otherwise, and you will have opportunities that you never knew existed. So it's, it risk is a, 
it's part of life. It's part of life. And every day, let's be honest, every day that you get up, put your feet in the floor and walk out of the house, you've just taken a bit of risk. Yep. So we are risk takers yep. just by being here every day. The risks are the most rewarding. And I can assure you that the most difficult situations I've had in terms of leadership and management have been the things that have become the enablers to be able to take on more. Yep. And I said something earlier about if you fix the roof and the sun is shining. It's the, when the sun's shining in the easy days, they're great. But you're not getting the most development out of those. It's just, it's just putting yourself in a situation that you hadn't seen yourself being in before. It stretches you. And, and then the next thing hard that comes up, you or someone around you knows how to deal with it. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's going to be a, a great few days here at the big show. And you did something that was unique. We've never done it before. Live from the stage, you recorded your podcast, uh, which is The Huddle. I have to tell you, I have a morning meeting every morning with the comms team and related teams, and we call it The Huddle. And they call it The Huddle because we're in to get the play, and then to break, and then to get the job done. And so tell me a little bit the concept of the huddle and not just the podcast, but how does the huddle guide business? Sure, sure. Well, we do the same thing in stores and fulfillment centers and DCs. We huddle in the morning. We get together. We talk about what happened yesterday, what's likely going to happen today and how we address it and who's got what. Super important part of just being a great organized team. But the idea for it came to me from a mentor who was explaining to me that when you're in leadership, people want to know what's on your mind. They want to know what you expect. And they want to know you. And specifically, it was, it was Frank Blake. And, and Frank's amazing in so many ways. But Frank said, remember, people want a piece of the leader. And I had to explain to him that for me, it wasn't about me. It was about the team, the org. And he kept saying to me, but if you make it always not about you, it becomes about you. Mm -hmm. And when you leave a void and people want a piece of the leader, if you don't give them a piece, they'll come take it. They don't always take the piece that you want them to take, <laughs> which was an interesting way to it's think about great it. great way to think yeah, about it. Yeah, and so I, I went back to the office and talked to experts in communication, Nathan, Tracy, others, and, and we started talking about, well, then how do I, who a person who doesn't naturally lead with talking about myself or what's right. going on, how do I share a bit more? Right. And so this idea of the huddle, which we were doing in stores every day, came about. And we did a couple in the office with, with store managers and merchants and then some guests. And it, it, now when I walk in stores, people will say, oh, you're the guy from the huddle. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, never, yes, I am that guy. I'm that guy. Never my goal. And, and what I've ever said, I would want to come to a show like this in front of 3,000 people, interview someone for me. No, absolutely. That was not where I yeah. started. But it definitely helped me see the value of letting people know who I am what's important, why it's important, how it shapes the org and how we work. And, you know, the last thing I, I get, one of the benefits of the role I'm in is I get exposure to some really interesting people. Sure. And I didn't 20 years ago. And part of the reason I joined the board at the NRF was to get exposure to all the work we do that as an operator, I didn't see. But these really interesting people would show up or I'd meet them and they'd tell me these amazing stories. And so it's a way to share not only more about me, but the way that those people and their amazing stories have affected me. And then people get to hear yeah. you know, how they got there. The one this morning is Phenomenal. amazing. I'm not going to talk much about it because you'll see it. <laughs> and it's the first time I've ever done one live as well in front of 3,000 plus people. Pretty so awesome. It, I'm glad it worked. We didn't know. <laughs> but you know, sharing the story of or, or having Dr. Jim Cash share his stories and his journey is amazing. And if you don't see it, 
there is one takeaway that he said. I, I just love it. I'm going to repeat this in a lot. Most of what I say I've learned from someone else. But one of the things he said was, his mom taught him was, if the elevator's broken, take the stairs. And it's just a simple way of saying, don't give up. There yep. is a way. Be yep. the optimist. Take progress over perfection. But if the elevator's broken, take the stairs. It's awesome. It was a great, great conversation. A real, I think everybody stepped away and learn something from that, and that's what you want. I thought I was being really creative by naming my meeting The Huddle. In actuality, I was just taking something that I had learned somewhere else. Uh, let me let you off the hook a bit, Bill. First, innovation is everywhere, but innovation and, and invention are really the combination of things that probably already existed. It's just putting them together in a way that people haven't seen things before. So this idea of being an integrative learner and connecting dots is really valuable. So Yes, indeed it is. Um, all right, so the broader retail environment, let's talk about that sure. a little bit. We're still seeing inflation and rising prices. What are you seeing in terms of shifts in consumer spending? Well, one of the really important things to think about at the beginning of 2020, and why I say there was a point of inflection, people were exposed to new ways of shopping for a couple of reasons. One was basic necessities and the way those were filled had changed. And second, the ability for commerce to be driven digitally. Those were, they were there, they were growing, but we saw a pretty precipitous shift right at the beginning of it. it one of the shifts inside it was people switch from services to goods. Right. And the economy was the size it was. It's now larger than it was. But we saw about five points of change in terms of the percentage of spend move from goods to services. Right. Or, yeah, services to goods. Sorry, I got right. that backwards. Right. Services to goods. And what's happened in the last year is about half of that gap has come back. But the, the sectors are larger. So probably what we may experience is a reversion to mean some sort of balancing where we are. And people ask me all the time, Matt Shea's done it several times, asked, what's the new normal and when is it? And the answer I honestly say is I really don't know right. because normal is to me is something that's always changing. So I think there's still some, some of those shifts that happened that'll balance back out. The economy's larger than it was. It grew last year. Uh, the NRF forecasted last year growth but in retail between six and eight. It's probably going to be right in the middle of that when it's all said and done for the year. So I think these shifts, they're in motion and they'll continue to happen, but uh, balance will, will take place. It's different though for different consumer groups. And there is not one way to describe right. the U.S. consumer in a market like this because stress, pressure, motivation, uh, uh, fashion, everything is different depending on the situation the consumer is in at that time. So right. we've seen some groups shift to necessities. We've seen some shift to more private label. We've seen some that have really ramped back up their travel and they're getting out. I think we all saw a busy travel season this, this last year. Yes. And, and then globally, um, if, if, you know, markets um, open back up that have been closed, we could see even more of, of this shift continue to happen. So I think, yeah. I think it's going to be a while until we know. But I just think this period 2020 to 2022 will be a point of inflection for, for customers, consumers, and retail businesses. You know, it is interesting to me you bring up the new normal and Matt asking that question constantly. I think that part of that is just a holdover because when we were going through the pandemic, Everybody said, well, coming out is the new normal. What is normal? Normal is going in, finding ways to meet the consumer where they want to be met with what they want to buy at the price that they want to pay. That's normal, right? There's nothing new about that. That's been going on forever and ever. So we're going to constantly be doing that. And it doesn't matter if we have a pandemic or the economy 
bad or it's good or anything else. Those things are the things that we have to do as an industry. And so new normal, it's nothing. It's just doing our business and doing it well. Yeah, I, I was in a, a super center in Teterboro, New Jersey a couple of days ago. I heard it. And uh, yeah, Lady Rosarta running a great business. She's been there a year and just doing a, a great job. And when I think about when I was a store manager from 1998 until 2002, if I had had the tools that they have, <laughs> I can't imagine how much easier it would have been. But the reality is they deal with so much more complexity Sure, because they're running a super center, they're fulfilling e-commerce orders, they're doing online pickup and delivery from the store yeah. every day. So it's actually a much different job yep. than what I had. So the answer is, I'm so glad we have all those people who know what they're doing because <laughs> I would have to go back through yeah. school and, le- and learn it all For again. Sure. But uh, just, just so inspiring when you see people that have embrace such a, a big, fast-growing business. And, you know, some of the things that last year were a concern, like inventory. Right. Is, I, I would go to stores and we would talk to associates about, you know, how this happened and, and what probably happens to there. And they'd all look and say, don't worry, we've got this. Yeah. You know, we'll take care of it. And it's just great to see so many people all over the country in the industry just jump in and, and get problems handled and move on. For sure. Let's look a little bit at Walmart and its focus in twenty. 20- 23. What's going on? Well, this will this won't surprise you, but you remember the Walmart cheer, which you did probably many times. Many. And at the end of the Walmart cheer, there's always a question who's number one? The customer. The customers. Always. Customer always. And what will be going on this year is an intense focus on what customers are doing, what data we know about what they're doing while they're shopping, and how we can better serve them and take the friction out. And so we'll continue to push new ideas and innovations. And the best part of new ideas and innovation is that some of them do work. Yep. Not all of them do. Yep. But we'll find new ways that customer is wanting to be served. The thing we do know that has been constant, you know, you said something earlier, is retail has been constant at its core for a long time. And what also we know is that customers want to have less of a time tax than they did yesterday. Yep. They want things to be more intuitive. They want things to show up on time. They want to be in stock on the basics in their home, not just We're spoiling the consumer. Let's just be honest. They're getting spoiled. Yeah, and, and if we don't, <laughs> someone else will do it for us. Exactly and, right. And so, you know, we're just intensely serving customers and trying to do everything we can to make sure a customer doesn't need to tell us that, that we fell short of their expectations. Yep. So what keeps you up at night? You know, I, I sleep pretty well. I'm just going to say fortunate to have kids that are doing well. I have a family. My wife's here this week. So that's really on a personal level. What I'm always focused on is, you know, how's my family? How are things going? In the environment, the only thing that, you know, I'd say is is just important is just keeping up, ensuring that we're looking ahead far enough, staying focused on the long term. And if we had to pick the top line over the bottom line, we'd lean on the top line. If we had to pick is it long-term, short-term? We'll always focus on the long-term. But that long-term requires you to constantly be looking ahead right. and seeing what's happening in the world and making sure our business stays positioned well so that we're there for the customers as they continue to change at a pace we've never seen before, which probably means they're going to change faster in the future. What do you think one of the, I, this isn't, you, I don't think this is an easy answer, but I think you have the answer, which is what is the most common misconception about Walmart? The company has, as, as you know, because you were there, really focuses on its core purpose and principles. Mm-hmm. And when we say we save money, 
so people can live better. That's what we do. And we have some basic beliefs like respecting others, striving to be excellence, service customers, and operating with integrity. And those are absolutely true and at the core, core of what we do. Right. What we do. And so you may have heard stories that reinforce those or somewhere in the, in the media and the world, you may have heard other stories. And being on the inside, I always knew that for the long term, focusing on those which we have done well is the difference in being a retailer. Like, you know, one of the retailers we mentioned yesterday, uh, Bloomingdale's, has been around for 150 years. Yeah. We just passed 60 years old last year. Yeah. And this is an industry where you see the top 10 retailers change quite a bit. But it, that's just proof to show if focus on the right things, people respect, strive, serve, and be excellent, you can, you can be position well for a long time. It is, it is interesting. I, I talked to Tony about that. 150 years, you think about all of the brands that have come and succeeded and gone. And it's amazing in these times that a retailer could be so focused on their core business, innovating, doing what they need to do to meet the needs of their consumer and to be in, not only in business, but be successful, successful in business right. 150 years later. It's pretty phenomenal. And so for a retailer or a leader, knowing what you're good at and then deciding to be great at it, yep. it's important. Yep. Don't and focus on your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. And they've had some great leadership, too. They have, sure. When you think about your career, what are you most proud of? It's actually a complicated question. Um, <laughs> what I'm most proud of, yes. and, and we can't say it in a few minutes, are the number of, of relationships... I've been able to make all over the world. Yeah. And that's what that's what we all do this for. That's what we're going to remember. I, I don't think I'll remember what the P&L looked like in 2004 or, tw- you know, 2012. Pick the year. You, right. just, you don't remember those things. But the difference that people made with you and the people that you were able to positively impact, those yep. are the things that we'll remember and those are the things I'm most proud of. We were talking about that the other day at the student program. Again, it's like it's people may not ever remember your name, but they're going to remember how you treated them. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important to keep that in mind through life because mm-hmm. that's the impression. And so if you weren't a retail CEO, what would you want to be? Well, the short answer is I'd probably find another way to get back into retail. <laughs> but if that didn't work, I'd probably be where I started before my career, which was a musician. Band. Yeah. What's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? It's something I said a moment ago. Be great at what you're good at, and what you're good at are typically the things you enjoy. Don't try to be something that you're not. All right, and then the last question, John. As chairman of the board of directors, what excites you most about the future of retail? The mom- Well, let me talk about the NRF quickly. The momentum that you and the entire team have, I, I think, is really exciting and, and very motivating from where we were, not not just through the pandemic, but even compared to 17, 18, 19, the amount of innovation that's here in the show for the next three days is really inspiring. And it's a great example, I should say, of I think what's coming. And I think this organization's way of pulling all that together and, you know, again, 35,000 people from 75 countries here to see what's next is really motivating. So yeah. if, if you haven't come to this show, you should come. Yep. 
I'd say that to everybody, and I'm really glad that we were able to take the time to be here today and talk about it. I, I, and we can't thank you enough for your leadership, and not only just your leadership, but your guidance, your insights, and you are very motivating for us, John. As always, it is a pleasure spending time with you and talking with you. Thank you for joining us today. You bet. Thanks, Bill. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Retail Gets Real. You can find more information about this episode at RetailGetsReal.com. I'm Bill Thorne at the Javits Center in New York City at NRF 2023 Retail's Big Show. Until next time, thanks again.